Hallelujah. James to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, we're going to read it from verses 4 through verse, uh, verse 4 through 7, okay? And then James 2, and I'll let you know when we get there. I love to hear those pages turning like that. Who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. All right. Now, if you go to James chapter 2, please, James 2. Again, verse 4 of Ephesians 2 says, God is who is rich in mercy. He was rich in mercy. All right, James 2, and I'm going to read one verse, verse 13. Verse 13, you got it? Okay, it says this, for judgment is without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Today I want to talk on that subject, mercy over judgment. Mercy over judgment. You'll get it. In a minute. Mercy over judgment. Father, thank you so much today for giving us opportunities we have to spend this time in your word. I pray that each of your people have hearing ears, seeing eyes, receiving hearts, that we may receive everything you have for us today from the word of God. I pray that your word, as it's spoken, will not return to you void. Let it accomplish in us that which you please and prosper in the thing to which you sent it. And I pray, Father, there, there will be no distraction or no hindrance to the word of God going forth this morning. And that, God, your people, every one of us will be blessed through the word of God. Not only those who are here, but all those that are tuned in online from all over the world. Those that are tuned in now and those who will watch on the rebroadcast. Bless each and every person in the word of God today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Praise God. All right, this is a, the glorious day of our uh, Christendom. Amen. It's our most, it's our highest, our holy day. Amen. It's the greatest day that we celebrate. It's, it's even greater than Christmas. Because Christmas, we celebrate, you know, us giving gifts. But today is about what the gift that God gave to us. in Jesus Christ going to the cross and being raised again. And we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And, you know, it doesn't matter to me how many billions of people on this planet don't believe this. My son was telling me about somebody uh, on, at, his, at, his, at the school who was talking about, you know, y'all Christians going over this weekend, they're going to get the Easter Bunny to open, get Jesus out of the rock. You know, they make fun, they poke fun about what we believe. But it doesn't matter to me whether people believe it or not. We say God's not dead. I can feel him in my hands. I can feel him in my feet. I can feel him all over me. So it doesn't matter if anybody else doesn't believe. I want you to believe, but I believe already that he is Lord. I believe he was born of a virgin. I believe the truth. He was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he died a criminal's death. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. But early, that's how my Baptist friend said, early on the third day morning, he got up with all power in his hand. I still believe it. I know it's true. I know it because he lives on the inside of me. He lives on the inside of me. The truth is, if you don't believe that, you're already in grave danger. We know the scriptures, John 3.16, everybody likes to quote that everywhere. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But have you ever gone to continue? Have you continued reading? If you read in verse 17, it goes on to say this. It says, for God did not send his son into the world. Now that's good news already. That God did not send Jesus to condemn the world. He didn't come to put anybody, to sentence anybody to death. But he came that the world through him might be saved. But I got to keep reading because verse 18 says this. For, so watch this. He who believes in him is not condemned. How many of y'all believe in him? So if you believe in him already, you are not condemned. Say, I'm not condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Right? So he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. So God didn't send Jesus Christ to condemn anybody. And if you don't believe, it's not that God's condemning you. It's you're condemned already because you don't believe. See, the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, you and I were born condemned. Through no fault of our own, but it is, it is the truth. Because of Adam's sin, and Adam, he passed down his genes to every one of us. We came, all came from one man. I don't care if you're black, white, red, yellow, purple, polka dot. We all came from Adam. And that condemnation passed to every one of us. So we're born condemned already. We're already born on our way to a devil's hell. But God sent his son to save us, not to condemn us. And the issue is that if we don't believe that we're condemned already, why? Because we have not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. But I believe. Just shout, I believe. Glory to God. I believe he came. I believe he died. I believe he rose again. And I'm going to throw this in. I believe he's coming back. Well, they've been saying that for a long time. That's right. And it's closer today than it was a thousand years ago. It's closer today than when my father was preaching it. It's, it's closer today. These are the last and evil days. The last hours of the last days. And I believe he's coming back. Now, if Jesus Christ had not come, we'd all be lost. Do you realize that? This isn't a day for us to just toot our noses at. If he had not come, we'd all be lost. We were lost already. But we'd be condemned to hell. But Jesus came along and saved the day for us. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, you don't have to turn over there. Jesus, the Bible says this in 1 Timothy 1, 15. It says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus, I love this, came into the world, watch this, to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am a chief. Of whom I am chief. In other words, I was one of the biggest sinners you'd ever find. Y'all ain't got to say much. Anybody here was a chief sinner? Chief means you were good at it. Some of y'all don't have your hands raised because y'all are always good. You always did everything right. You always ate, ate, you know, three apples and drank eight apples, eight glass of water a day and Always treated folk right. You never lied. You never cheated. You never stole. You never tipped around. Never dipped around. Never slipped. Never, never sipped on nothing. Never did it. You never did anything. You ever did? You did everything right. But for the rest of us, we're so glad that Christ Jesus came to save sinners. I was a sinner. He came to save me. You see the same verse in the easy to read version. It says it this way. 
Here's a true statement that should be accepted without question. This is a true statement that should be accepted without question that Christ came into the world to save sinners. It should be accepted without question. And what does the devil do? He makes everybody question it. That's his job. Because when you question it, you cannot put any firm faith in it. And if you don't put any firm faith in it, you can't receive what comes from it. So there are people today, millions, billions of people on this planet who are not saved, who they're still on, the, on their way to a devil's hell, and then there are some who are in church and still unsaved. Y'all ain't got to holler at me too loud today. There are people who are in church every Sunday, and they're ushering, they're deaconing, and they're singing, and they're pastoring, and they're still unsaved because they've never actually put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They sort of migrated. They think they sort of grew up in the salvation. You don't grow up in the salvation. Jesus said this, verily, verily, I send to you, you must be born again. And so this is worthy of all acceptation that we must be born again. He came to save sinners. Now, here's the beautiful thing about this, ladies and gentlemen, is that the very cross that we look at, the very cross of Calvary, represents mercy over judgment. The cross of Calvary represents mercy over judgment. In other words, the devil had the world in its, in its grips. We were all judged. We were all condemned. And God didn't have to send his son. God had done no wrong. God is not the one who had offended us. We're the ones who had offended him. God never sinned, and Jesus Christ never sinned. In fact, when he was born on this earth, he, he, although he was born on this earth from a woman, his father was not Joseph. The Bible says Joseph was, was thought to be his father. But he was born of the Holy Ghost. He was born sinless, yet he had the ability to sin. Because your Bible says that we don't have a high priest who, who cannot be touched by our infirmities, but who was at all points tempted like as we are. So he was tempted to sin. He saw fine girls. I'm, I'm come over here. He had an opportunity to bust people in the mouth. <laughs> he could have clapped back. He could have sinned. He was tempted to sin, but he did it without sinning. He lived without sinning. And so that sinless sacrifice, Jesus went to Calvary's cross. Why? Because God was ready to extend mercy over judgment. So every time you and I look at that cross, we need to see God's symbol of mercy over judgment. We used to say he didn't have to do it, but he did. He bled and he died, then he rose again. He didn't have to do it, but he did. Hallelujah. So God wants you and me to accept this statement here that he came to save sinners because God's a merciful God. Everybody say he's a merciful God. He's patient. God is a long-suffering God. What he has done is through the cross, he's giving everybody a chance to escape judgment. 
Because there is, there is a certain fearful expectation of judgment, the book of Hebrews says. So there is a judgment, but through the cross, God has given us an escape out of the judgment. Can you say amen? amen. Now look at Psalm 103, please. Turn it in your Bible, Psalm 103. Because I want you to see how merciful God is. He is to us. While we celebrate him, while we can't turn our backs on him. Because you and I were worthy of death. Do you understand that? Yes. You and I deserve to die. Yes. Well, I didn't do anything wrong. We were born wrong. Yes. We were born in sin. Yes. Come on. And shaped in iniquity. So we were all worthy of death. Yes. Psalm 103, if you look at verses 8 through 10, I'll just read a short, short section of this. Look what it says. The Lord is merciful and gracious. Come on. And what else? I better read that again for all the imperfect people. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. I'm so excited about that. I want to read it three times. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. Tell your neighbor, good thing. <laughs> because if he had gotten us when he should have gotten us, we wouldn't be here today. You know how, uh, I don't know about y'all, but I grew up with an old school mama. Some of y'all new school mamas like to reason out with your kids and talk to them and, you know, time out and patty cake, patty cake, baker's man and all that kind of stuff. But my mama was a little touched. And, and, and I grew up under the rule that you're going to get it where you did it. Where you did it is where you get it. So if you showed out on aisle nine, it's going to be a cleanup on aisle nine. You wanted to cut the food in the church house, it's going to be a wreck in the church house. Because I'm going to get you where you did it. My, my mom didn't, didn't live on this. My mom wasn't slow to anger. <laughs> Neither was my daddy. My, my daddy was a, a, a syllable beater. Some of y'all know anything about that. Well, you, 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 get, you get whippings with syllables. Pop. Pop, pop. You better not do that no more. Y'all talk to your kids, but we got it. Hey, but I ain't been to jail. I ain't, I ain't never had to go to jail. But the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. But watch this. He will not always strive with us, nor will us keep his anger forever. In other words, God, even though he gets angry for a moment, he won't stay angry. You know some folk who hold grudges a long time? 20, 30 years and they still can't talk to nobody? He will not always try with us, nor will he keep it. Now that's important. Don't, don't forget what I just said. He will not keep his anger forever. Notice this verse, next verse, verse 10. Watch this, watch this, watch this. This exciting part. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord nor punish us according to our iniquities. In other words, we deserve much worse than we saw. In fact, there are some things that we never even got punished for it. Matter of fact, some things I'm so grateful God, not only did, did he not punish me, but he also didn't expose me. In 
Now we, now you, we grow up now, don't we? We don't keep doing that stuff. We keep, we grow up and we mature. But early on, you wasn't right and your mama wasn't right. And you know, there's some stuff you were doing. And the Bible says he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Because, because the Bible says that he is abounding in mercy. He's abounding in mercy. He is abounding, plenteous in mercy. He has a lot more mercy than you have sin. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his long suffering. Thank God for his kindness. Thank God for his patience. He's still working on me. Tell you that, but he's still working on me. Matter of fact, the Bible says he's working in me both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Well, I'm working out my salvation. He's working in me both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And every once in a while along the way, you stumble. But he doesn't treat you as your sins deserve. The cross itself is a symbol of his mercy over judgment. Oh, Jesus. The way you and I live, we deserved eternal death. The way you and I live, we deserve eternal damnation. But the Bible says God is rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. It says he's rich in mercy. And there are times that you just have to cry out on the mercy of God. Can I take you to a story here? Go back to the New Testament, the book of Luke. A parable Jesus gives in Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, hallelujah. I'm going to begin reading at verse 9. I want you to see this parable, and I want you to see yourself in it, if possible. In fact, I want you to allow yourself to see yourself in it. Allow yourself to see yourself in this parable. And I'm going to tell you which person I want you to see yourself is. Luke 18 and 9, are you there? Says also he spoke, this is Jesus, spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on other folk. He taught this parable to, talk, to deal with the folk who trusted in their own righteousness, thought they were good. And because they thought they had arrived, they looked down on other folk because other folk weren't perfect like they were. Now, this not, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your neighbor, the person sitting next to you. Now, watch what he says. Watch this parable. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Tax collector, let me just summarize it. Is uh, public enemy number one is a sinner. The, pup, the tax collector was, was considered by all those of that day to be the worst sinner you could be, just about. Because they were robbing people, taking advantage of people, doing God's people dirt. Verse 11, the Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself. God, I thank you. Can you, can you hear him sound all eloquent? That I am not like other men. Listen to self-righteous self. Extortioners, unjust. I should have had 
James read this. Extortionists. We got our own James Earl Jones in the house right here. Unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Notice he's, he's talking to God, but looking down on this man. Now, watch this. He's looking down on this tax collector. He talks about him. Look at verse 13. And the tax collector standing afar off. Which means in himself, he understands and feels he's not even worthy to enter into the presence of God. He knows, he admits he has faults. He admits he has issues. He admits he has sin. He admits he has wrongdoings. He admits there's iniquity in his heart. He admits it. And it says, he's standing far off. Watch this other indication of his humility. Would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. But beat his breast or beat his chest. Saying, saying, saying. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. One man talking boastfully, proudly, braggadociously about how good he is and he's not like others and this other man won't even approach, won't even lift his eyes and all it says is, Lord have mercy on me. Verse 14, watch what Jesus says. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. This sinner went home righteous. The sinner went home right. The sinner went home with mercy. Because he acknowledged where he was. He threw himself at the mercy of the court. What does it mean when you throw yourself at the mercy of the court? Anybody ever, ever been, been on trial or been on, been, uh, you ain't got to put your hand up. Okay. I'm going to tell me because I, I know y'all never tell about you, but I'm going to always tell about me. I remember. Now, I hadn't stolen anything. I hadn't done much, but I also hadn't a license, <laughs> registration, or insurance. Okay, I had a license, but they had temporarily suspended it. I'm going to come over here. None of y'all have been there. You've been, okay, thank you, girls, because they leave me hanging. No insurance, no registration, and your license suspended. And, and, and there are times I got pulled over and they just let me go ahead. But other times I got pulled over and they required me to show up in court. And when I go to court, they ask, they ask you, how do you plead? Come on, y'all. 
I'm by myself. Let me come back over here. They ask you, how do you plead? Some of y'all like you never heard that statement. How do you plead? Now, I'm not going to be no fool because I know I ain't have my license. I know I ain't have registration. I know I ain't have insurance. I ain't going to sit there and go, I plead innocent. I plead no contendere. Is that how you say it? No contest. Sir, you got me. You, they, they got me. They got me. I did it. I did it. I wasn't right. I know I wasn't right, but I was trying to get somewhere. And I ask you, sir, show me some mercy. Be merciful unto me, a sinner. I know y'all got the ability to lock me away for a little minute. Just revoke my license. You can do all that, but I'm asking you to have mercy. If you give me time, I'm going to get it right. Come on now, help me out here. <laughs> I love all y'all perfect drivers, y'all A-plus drivers. That's, that's wonderful. But it's saying, and none of y'all ever been broke. See? That's the only reason you don't have license insurance and registration because you broke. And, and what happened? <laughs> I almost said every time. Both times. <laughs> hey, you, I wasn't broke one day. I broke a long time. And, and both times, they just, okay, how, how much time do you need to get it right? 30 days. Give me 30 days. I'm going to get this right, and I did. What did they do? They gave me mercy over judgment. That's what the Bible says. Put up, thank you, Holy Ghost. Put up 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Oh, I didn't even see that. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we plead no contest. Oh, y'all not catching. If we say, yep, I did it. Yep, I messed up. Yes, I blew it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and within his rights just to forgive us of our sins and to what else? Cleanse us. He has that, the ability to say, you know what, I'm just going to expunge that. I'm just going to, you know, adjudicate you not guilty. I'm just going to let you go. You, you get it right. The problem we have is confessing our sins. And here's why. Can, we, can I tell you this? Can I tell you this? Because we're afraid of the judgment. Y'all give me just a few more. Just, just give me some time. I'm show you something. Because we get so conditioned to fear the judgment that we don't recognize that there's a mercy that God has for his people. The devil will get people into condemnation because they're afraid of what God will do. You know, we had a whole thing. You used to, you know, walk down the street back when we were kids and we used to skip over, make sure you didn't step on the cracks. Remember that on the sidewalk? Step on a crack. Break your mama back. Y'all grew up in the same neighborhood I did. Step on the crack, break. So you always make sure you walk and you skipped over the little crack, you know, you don't step on it because you ain't want to, your mama back broke. Right? But what happens is we carry that same mindset into our walk with Christ and we walk on eggshells with Christ because we become so afraid of judgment and not understanding the mercy of God. That's how condemnation hits us. 
Condemnation comes because we are so conscientious of his judgment and not fully aware of his mercy. Oh, my God. Did your Bible tell us that he's abounding in mercy? Thank you, Lord. Throw yourself at the mercy of the court. Here's what, what that means. So throw yourself at the mercy of the court means you admit your guilt, recognize that punishment is due, but ask for leniency from the one or the ones with authority to impose a sentence. That's what I did when I went to court. Whew. I used to go to that court right there on 66th Street. Well, you know, they tore it down now, the traffic court. I asked them for leniency. Have mercy on me. <laughs> and the crazy folk would let me drive off. <laughs> I came here with no license. I'm leaving with no license. I came here with no insurance, no registration. I still don't have it. Well, drive on. You can just go on and get it right. All right. because of the cross on mercy over judgment how many have heard so much about the judgment seat of Christ twice in the Bible the Bible says that we must stand before the judgment seat of Christ 2 Corinthians 5.10 says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may give may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad so we get we, we're aware of the judgment seat and we're, 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 we get uh, a little uh, anxious, a little fearful about the judgment seat. Oh, my God. When I stand before God, what is he going to do? He's going to beat me over the head. And we give, give people this picture, this image of God with some long old guy with this, some long beard waiting to just bust you over the head for doing things wrong. And don't realize he's a good God. He's a good father. We read Psalm 103 about him abounding in mercy, but we didn't read the part where it says that as a father pities his children, so he pities us. In other words, as a father will have mercy on his children. Come on, fathers. You don't just, you don't, just don't kill them. In other words, you don't beat them every time. You don't beat them every time and never, never notice when they're doing good things. Huh? Huh? The Bible says, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. How you do that? You beat them all the time and always, no, don't do that. When, when, I, when I first started having these children, that, that's kind of my mind. I didn't have them physically, you know. Children came into my life. When, I, when that first started happening, I, got, I had that mentality was I got to get him. I got to be stern. And I, I go, I just get ready to go and God say, oh, I didn't do you like that. Mm. 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 You're right. You're right. And I started backing off. And I learned how to, how to meet, M-E-T-E, meet out punishment. Measure it out properly. 
You have to do it properly. Now you still got to do it. I better come back on this side. I said you still got to do it. Oh, but they so cute. You still got to, especially the cute ones, you got to do it. <laughs> they really cute. Get the cute ones. Because the cute ones think they going to get away in life and everything because they cute. You got to get the butter from the duck on the cute ones. Those are the ones you really got to get. Your ugly kids, just let them do what they want. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just, joking. I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. Just, I'm just kidding. I'm just. All right, y'all come back. So we're, we're mindful of the judgment seat. But we're not mindful of the mercy seat. You read judgment seat of Christ twice in the Bible. You read mercy, mercy seat dozens of times. God spoke more of the mercy seat than he did the judgment seat. Because God wants us to get the mindset of mercy over judgment. I want my children to respect me, but I don't want them to fear me. I don't want them afraid of me. Is this a good day to ask daddy for something? Is this, uh, no. that's, not, that's not how you raise children. You want them to respect you, but not, have, not be scared of you. And God didn't want his children walking around here scared of him. I mean, shoot, if you scared him, how in the way are you going to ask him for stuff? How are you going to ask him to heal your body? How are you going to ask him to deal with your children? How are you going to ask God to bless your socks off if you're scared of him? He wants you to know he's a loving father. He's a good, good father. So he says, I want you more conscious of my mercy than of my judgment. Boy, I wish, boy, I wish, boy. I want you to see something here. Go to the book of Exodus, please. Exodus 25. Oh, I got to hurry up. Exodus 25. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Exodus 25. I want you to see this here. Exodus 25, verse 17. Thank you, Lord. This is after God, as he's actually laying out to Moses uh, the layout of the temple and all the articles of the temple, he describes now the Ark of the, of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony. Now watch what he says in verse, verse uh, 17. Now let me, let me just say this before I jump in there. The Ark, the Ark, y'all know what the Ark is, not the, not the one with Noah and the... Not that one. The Ark, the box that God had them build. That Ark was a container that was the representation of the presence of God. The power of God, the provision of God, the precepts of God. They were going to put inside that Ark of the Covenant, put the law in there, the precepts of God. They were going to put Aaron's rod that budded, the, 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 the power of God. They were going to put in there an omer or a little jar full of manna. That was God's provision. And it itself was God's presence. Everywhere the Ark went was God's presence on earth. Now watch what God says about this Ark here. Verse 17, you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold 
Two and a half cubits shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim, those angels, of gold, of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the, of the what? Make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherubim at the two ends of it, one piece with, with the mercy seat. So one piece. So you have this seat and you have two angels, these cherubim, who are both facing toward, they're facing each other overlooking this mercy seat. Watch this. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. So the, the angels look down at the mercy seat. In other words, these angels' job is to guard. Now, it's just, it's just figurines here, but they're symbolic that God is guarding this mercy seat. Oh, Jesus. And he says, verse, verse 21, verse 21, watch this. You shall put the mercy seat behind, on the bottom, on the side, on top. So what God says is the premier thing I want you to know about me is my mercy. I don't want you afraid of me when you come into my presence. I want you to come and know that when you approach me, what you're going to be running smack dab into is my mercy. Oh, thank God for his mercy. He says, put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. So in the ark is the law. In the ark is the law. And what we've done is we've been so conditioned to be afraid of keeping the law breaking the law, we miss what's on top, the mercy seat. So what he says is his mercy is above the law. That went over your head. His mercy is greater than the law. People get so stuck in a rut. Oh Lord, am I going to break the law? Well, you, you might, but what's above the law is the mercy. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Then he says, verse 22, and verse 22, and there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from, I'm going to talk to you from above the mercy. Y'all got to get this. From above the mercy seat. From between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in the commandment, in commandment to the children of Israel. Y'all got it? Can I keep going, please? Go to Leviticus. The next book over. 25. Oh, my, 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 my. Leviticus 25. Verse 1. When you get it, say, I got it. And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep the Sabbath, keep Sabbath to the Lord. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Verse, what did I tell you, verse one? Yeah. Ee-wee. All right, verse, verse one and two. All right, so you keep Sabbath to the Lord. All right, go down to verse 11. Verse 11. Oh, man, I gave you all the wrong scripture. That is not the scripture I'm trying to give you. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. That's the wrong one. Y'all show me mercy. Yes, <laughs> ah! 
Thank you, Jesus. Oh, remind me where this thing was here. That wasn't it. Thank you, Jesus. What was it? Is it chapter 19? Let me see. I don't know. I don't know. I'm glad I live in a, I'm in a church where y'all show me mercy, though. Because I missed that. I wrote the wrong thing down. Oh, my goodness. Well, I tell you what. <laughs> what I was going to show y'all. Now, if somebody found it, just tell me if you found the right chapter. Now, I don't. Well, that's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> it was about how he had them laid out. Yeah, thank you. Chapter 16. Okay. Start at verse 11. Start at verse 11 for me, please. And Aaron, thank you. That's it. No, I wrote down the wrong thing. Oh, yeah, we got it now. It's on the screen. Oh, no, they went. Okay, they get it. It's a comedy show. And Aaron shall bring, no, so give me, give me verse one and two on that one, please. Give me verse one and two. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of, of the two sons of Aaron when they offered profane fire before the Lord and died. Keep going, please. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come just at us any time into the holy place inside the well, inside the, the veil, rather, before the mercy seat, which is on the ark. So don't just come any time before this veil. Before this what? Veil. Don't forget that. This veil. Lest he die, for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. So God said, I'm going to always show up to you above this mercy seat. He didn't say above the ark. He said above the mercy seat. Now, it's on the ark, but he's specific about pointing out the mercy seat. All right, now go to verse 11. Well, y'all wake up and get this here. Because we need this mercy right here. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bull as a, uh, as a sin offering, which is for himself. Keep going, please. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, with his hands full of sweet incense with beaten fine, and bring it where? Inside the veil. All right, verse 13. Keep going. Verse 13. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the what? That is on the testimony, lest he die. So this has got to be on the mercy seat here. Keep going, verse 14 and 15. It says, and he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the what? Mercy seat. On the east side. And before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Verse 15. Verse 15. Y'all got verse 15. Then he shall kill the goat. He shall kill the goat. The greatest of all time, he shall kill the goat. You better watch this. This is symbolic. This isn't just, this is a foreshadowing. He shall kill the greatest of all time of the sin offering, the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. Kill the goat which is for the people, the sin offering for the people. Now, y'all know who he's talking about here, right? Bring its blood inside the veil. Do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull. And sprinkle it on the... And before. 
Jesus on the cross. He hung there and he died. Darkness on the face of the earth from the sixth to the ninth hour. Noon to three, it went totally dark on the whole earth. At that time when he said it is finished, gave us the ghost, the Bible says that the, the earth was beginning to rock and the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. What does that mean? That means that from heaven, God ripped the veil. Now that veil was there so that people couldn't just go and enter into the Holy of Holies where the mercy seat was. But now once he died, once he shed his blood, once he gave over the ghost, now the veil has been torn. Now you and I can enter in to the Holy of Holies and get mercy right there anytime. We can go there anytime and get his mercy. God had told them, don't you can't just come up here anytime. But now you and I can come before him anytime to get his mercy. The veil's been rent. And what did Jesus Christ do? You remember Jesus Christ? He, after the resurrection, y'all give me just a few more minutes. Just a few more minutes. After the resurrection, he's walking about and all of a sudden, he sees Mary and Mary, oh, Rabboni. And she realized, oh, this is Jesus. And she gets ready to go and hug him. He says, hey, oh, oh don't touch me. He says, because I have not yet ascended to my father and your father, to my God and your God. What, what's going on? He knows his job as the high priest. As the high priest, he, it is his job to take that blood. So we just read in Leviticus 16. Take that blood, enter into the Holy of Holies, and sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat. Oh God, I wish y'all would catch this. So he said, don't touch me yet. I've not yet ascended. So I've, he's got to go and put this blood on that mercy seat because once that blood is on the mercy seat, now all of our sins have been wiped away. The Bible even says in Hebrews that Jesus Christ, he purged the heavens. Okay, that may not help you. Let me explain it this way. He cleaned the heavens out. All right, what did that mean to help you? You remember... You remember when, uh, when, uh, <laughs> you remember when Job, Job, the book of Job, when the Bible says the sons of God presented themselves to God and Satan came with them. Because at that time, Satan could still go into heaven. And he was the accuser of the brethren. But now that Jesus, the high priest, and the sacrifice took his own blood, put his own blood on that mercy seat, the Bible says he's purged the heavens. Now Satan cannot go back into heaven anymore. He has already purged the heavens. Now the accuser cannot accuse us before God anymore. So cast this, cast this, watch this, watch this. Y'all awake? 
So the devil who's accusing the brethren, he can't accuse us before God. So what he does is he accuses us to us. Oh, y'all missed that. He can't talk about you to God. So he spends his time talking about you to you. He tells you how rotten you are. He tells you how bad off you are. He tells you how wrong you are. He tells you how many times you messed up. He reminds you of sins you did 15 years ago that God already wiped away. And he brings it back up because he's the accuser of the brother. And he can't do it to God. He can only come and do it to you. And he'll come in your dreams. I said he'll come in your dreams. Because he can work in the soul realm. And he'll show you, he'll have you dream about stuff that you already let go. God, I've been stopped doing that. God, I already walked out of that lifestyle. God, I already changed my life on that. And he'll come in your dreams. Why? Because he's the accuser of the brethren. And he can't go into heaven anymore, so he stays in the earth realm and accuses you to you. And what is his goal? Is to get you and me to focus on God's judgment. And lose sight of his mercy but I'm here to tell somebody this morning ever since Jesus Christ went to that cross that cross became God's eternal symbol of mercy over judgment give me, give me just, just a few more let's, 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 let's show you some of this so rather than the this judgment seat you need to be focused on the mercy seat and you and I now go before what Hebrews 4.16 calls the throne of grace. How many of you ever heard of the throne of grace? Look at what it says. It says, let us therefore come boldly, not to the judgment seat, to the throne of grace. But watch what he says. That we may obtain. Y'all ain't saying it like you're reading it. That we may obtain what? That we may obtain what? So the first thing you get when you go to the throne of grace is mercy. Oh Lord, have mercy. Anybody here ever needed mercy from God? James 2.13 again says this, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. And it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Can you say that? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Means every day, mercy wins. Mercy triumphs. We were due for judgment. We deserve judgment. But mercy triumphs. Go back to Ephesians 2 real quick. Let me, let me finish this. Give me, give me 12 minutes. Ephesians 2. Oh, God, help me out here. Help me out here. Let me get as far as I can. Ephesians 2. I want to read it to you. Look at verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Oh, yes, we were. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. Yes, we did. According to the prince of the power of the air. Yes, we did. The spirit who now still works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves. Oh, yes, we did. I said, oh, yes, we did. You can look here with that old straight, safe face all you want to, but you know you once did. 
conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. In other words, when we did our own thing, it's your thing. And we were doing that, and he said, and as a result, we were by nature children of wrath so the others which meant that we were in line to inherit and see the wrath of God but God we were a mess due for wrath but God who is rich in mercy why because of his great love with which he loved us even when he loved us even when he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved now I want you to see something here Put up verse 4 and 5 of the Amplified Classic, please. Verse 4 and 5, Amplified Classic. I just want you to see this here. This is, this is good. It says, but God, so rich is he in mercy because of and in order to satisfy. Did you catch that? The great and wonderful intense love with which he loves. In other words, God, you ever, you ever love somebody you're like, you just, oh, I got to do something. Okay, maybe not. God loved us so much. Y'all didn't say a thing. Y'all didn't. Yeah, y'all do. Y'all got a song to my crazy in love. That's your, ain't that y'all song? Crazy in love. That's what crazy in love is. You love somebody. Come on, Miss Hattie, help me out. You gotta do something to satisfy the great and wonderful, intense love with which He loved us. Put, put the next verse up, verse 5. Even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself and the same, uh, the same new life with which he quickened him. For it is by grace, now watch this, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve. His favor and what? Mercy. Mercy. We did not deserve, watch this, that you are saved, delivered from from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. Mercy trumps judgment. Oh, you better just be happy about that today because if that weren't true, you wouldn't be here today. If that weren't true, you wouldn't be alive today. You wouldn't have your right mind right now. The only reason we're alive and well is because mercy trumped judgment. Let me show you a story here. Look at Luke 5, 12 and 13 real quick. Media gate it for me. Y'all don't have time to find it. Luke 5. Oh, you can find it. Okay, Luke 5. I want to show you mercy, Trump, and judgment. And it happened when he was in a certain city. This he is Jesus. That behold, a man who was what? Full of leprosy. Full of what? 
he saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, this man was full of leprosy. Now, the law said that this man full of leprosy was supposed to be outside the camp in a leprous camp, could not go around anybody, much less go before Jesus Christ, a priest. So Jesus was supposed to, by law, render judgment to this man. That's why the man asked him, he said, Lord, if you are willing. So what he does is, in, the, in this scenario, is God demonstrates his will. That when every right, when there's every right to bring and enforce judgment, his will is mercy. How do you know? Because the very next verse, verse 13, says this, then he put out his hand. Oh, come on out. He put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. So he demonstrated that God's will is mercy over judgment. I wish y'all would just get this in your spirit. Now that, that's, that's important. That's important to somebody because there are people that are right under the sound of my voice, people who are watching online who have sicknesses and diseases and the devil's telling you, well, this is in your body because you know you was a... You know, you were, you were out there and so since you was out there, you got this disease and you know God ain't going to deal with that because that came because you was out there. And you should have been healed a long time ago. I don't know what I'm talking about. You just look straight all you want to. But there's somebody here, you're dealing with some issue in your body and the devil's telling you the reason you got that cancer because you smoke 25 packs of cigarettes every week for 25 years and you ain't ever going to get rid of that cancer because... And he's got you judgment-minded and not mercy-minded. Should have been healed a long time ago, but judgment-minded. Got some disease in your body because the devil said, well, you know, you was fornicating all the time. And whatever, 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 whatever. Maybe so. Just look straight ahead. But the devil is a liar. Jesus is the Messiah. He showed his will to trump judgment with mercy. Don't ever let the devil tell you that God won't do something for you because you had all this stuff in your past. So I'll tell your neighbor, the devil is a liar. He, God is a healer. Do you know when Jesus Christ was on this earth, every person he healed was a sinner? Did you know the person he healed was a sinner? Yes, sir. Pastor Hike, you say that because he hadn't gone to the cross yet. He hadn't died for anybody's sin yet. I mean, everybody was a sinner. So if he will heal sinners, don't tell me you won't heal your sanctified self, walking with God, forgiven, perfectly clean with him. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm losing y'all, so let me just give you one more. Let me give, let me give you one more. Look at John. I want you to read this. We'll read this and we'll quit. Some of y'all got greens on the brain. John chapter 8. 
got ham and yams on your heart. I'm trying to get you to get this mercy here. I'm trying to get you to get this mercy here. I'm trying to get you to, to know you're forgiven. I'm trying to get you to know you've been washed. I'm trying to get you to know you've been sanctified. I'm trying to get you to know you've been blood bought. I'm trying to get you to know that God has already let everything go. That you can walk ahead and have your head held up high and not walk in condemnation, not walk in guilt, and not walk in shame. And know that God has already changed your life. That God is not releasing judgment on you. He's released his mercy on your life. Are you in John chapter 8? Look at verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees, y'all know those fellows, don't you? These are the ones who always look at the law. Trying to find out everything that everybody's doing. Passing judgment on everybody. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught. What you say? Caught. Caught in adultery. Now how they caught her, I don't know. But they have the law on their mind. They have judgment on their mind and they're going to try to trap Jesus. So this woman, she's caught in adultery. Caught in the very act. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. <laughs> you know these old geezers was looking. Now they're, they're, they want to bring the worst case scenario to Jesus. They want to see what are you going to do about this because the law has some serious penalties for this act. They said, verse 5, now Moses in the law commanded us, watch this, that such should be stoned. If you know what stoned is, not talking about getting high on weed. Stoned is talking about here, killed, put to death, taking rocks and throwing them at a person's head and their whole body until they die. In other words, the penalty in the law was death. Jesus, what you gonna do about this? Jesus, we're not speculating. The law says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. And as all of us are here, we caught her, 
This is not some word that we heard, we saw, or we caught in the very act. We got enough people here to be judge and jury. We're going to ask you, Jesus, what's your, what's your sentence? <laughs> they said, but what do you say? Now, Moses and the law said this, but what do you say? The Bible says that the law came through Moses, John chapter 1. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth is the two sides of the coin of love. Love is a two-sided coin, grace and truth. Meaning that when you love somebody, you speak the truth to them. And you live truthfully towards them and among them and with them. But you also extend grace. In other words, love says, if my child is doing something wrong, I'm going to tell you the truth about it, but I'm also going to deal with you properly concerning that. Grace and truth. So the law says we're supposed to kill her right here, right now. And they got stones in their hands. You know the story. They got the stones. They're ready. Jesus, the law said we're supposed to kill her. What do you say? Grace and truth. Son of God. What do you say? Watch this. This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. As though he did not hear. Now he heard, but he stooped down and wrote as though he did not hear. In other words, he wasn't here to hear accusations. It's a, it's a foreshadowing of Satan who cannot accuse us before God anymore. As though he did not hear. You know, people try to go to God and tell on you. <laughs> oh, y'all, y'all think I'm lying. People will try to go to God and tell on you. God, you know what she did. God, you know what he said. And God won't even give you a response. He'll ig you like you ain't even standing there. And when he does come back, he'll come back, well, what did you do? Verse 7, let's finish this. So when they continued asking him, they continued asking him. It sounded like it was several times then. He raised himself up and said to them, watch this. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. I know you caught her, but whichever one of y'all, <laughs> because he had already told us in, the, in his word 
that if you even look on a woman, you commit adultery. And they were looking on her. Verse 8. And again he stooped down and rolled on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience. Because once you meet the truth, they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest fellow. <laughs> even even to the even to the last, yeah, we all. Now watch this, watch this. At the end of the day, Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the mist. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman. Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Watch this. And Jesus said to her, neither. Wait, wait, wait. She's called an adultery. She's probably dressed. The smells, the fragrance that she had on. She looks, I mean, this, she's a picture of adultery. And he looks at her, full of grace and truth, and says, neither do I condemn you. Now, I know you and your sanctified self. You would have brought her before the church. You would have brought a man for a meeting. Pastor, we need to have a meeting because so and so. But the Bible says, Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Now, watch this. He didn't condemn her. But he didn't stop talking. He said, now listen, I'm going to show you my mercy of my judgment. But here's how you respond to mercy. Y'all missed this. Here's how you respond to mercy. Go and sin no more. Y'all, you didn't get it. Go and sin no more. When you really become aware of the mercy of God. When you really understand the grace of God, you can't keep doing what you used to do. Because you're like, no, man, I, I was supposed to be dead. I, man, I was supposed to be locked up under the jail. They ain't gonna keep going out there and stealing. They let me off. The judge himself let me off? All right. Let me say one last thing. Two scriptures. Don't, don't turn. Put on the screen. Matthew 5, 7. This is very important. This is the last point here. It's very important. Matthew 5, 7. Somebody to answer their cell phone. Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. All right, now this is important. This is Jesus talking. 
So you and I who want to receive mercy, he says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So if you and I want to receive mercy, we must show mercy. If we want God to forgive us, we must forgive others. And if we want God to not treat us as our sins deserve, we can't treat others as their sins deserve. If we want God to cut us some slack, y'all looking at me, we're all crazy. And it's, it's, it's amazing to me how judgmental Christians can become. When we should be like that publican, that tax collector, saying, God be merciful. We're acting like that Pharisee saying, God, I'm not like them. We got our little noses tooted up in the air because we ain't doing what our cousins do. Think we're better than all the other people that we went to school with. Well, I'm, I'm you know, I might do this, but I ain't transgender. Well, great. Wonderful. But that doesn't give you the right to toot your nose and use your words to condemn people to hell when God delivered you out. Because if it had not been for God who's rich in mercy, you'd still be on your way. All right, now let me show you the last place here. Remember that. If you want to, be, want to have mercy, you got to show mercy. Here it is. Last place. Go to, go to uh, Jesus. James 2. James 2. Oh, I know it is. I know it is. I know it is. We could probably win some of our cousins if we stop being pharisaical. We could win some of our friends if we stop being so pharisaical. We could probably have our marriages right if we stop being pharisaical with our spouses. We could probably win our children if we stop being pharisaical with our children. Want to dog them out for all every time they mess up, and yet. Y'all don't like me now. I know. Okay, I got you. This is where it tails off right here. James 2 and verse 8. I'm going to start there. James 2 verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to, to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor, come on, as yourself. as yourself, then what? You do well. So if you love folk the way you love yourselves, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, or the same one who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Well, I ain't murder nobody. What about that little pink tornado in your mouth? 
backstabbing folk. That little tongue will kindle a fire. In fact, the Bible calls that little tongue, this same book of James, a world of iniquity. <laughs> he says, if you stumble in one point, you're guilty of all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. Verse 12. So speak... And so do as those who will be judged by what? The law of liberty. The law of liberty is not the law that we read about in the Old Testament. The law of liberty is the law of love. What's, what's, the, what's the, the two commandments the Bible said that Jesus said everything hangs on? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor. So if you love your neighbor as yourselves then you don't treat them the way you don't want to be treated. If you want mercy yourself, you extend mercy to them. Guess what? Jesus said it is impossible that offenses will not come. That means there are going to be people, y'all look at me straight now, people are going to offend you, knowingly or unknowingly. But you can't cut off everybody who offends you. Why? What, that, what you're doing is you're not showing them mercy. So then we get here, verse 12, so speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For Watch this, verse 13, here it is. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. That means if you don't show people mercy, then when judgment time comes for you, you're going to get it. Tell your neighbor, you're going to get it. If you don't show mercy. Come on, help me. I tell somebody else, you're going to get it if you don't show mercy. So when you stand before God and you want God to show mercy to you, he's going to check back on your record and see, well, did you show mercy to so-and-so? Did you forgive folk when they did something wrong? Did you, did you let something slide? You ain't got to clap back on everything. You ain't got to give everybody a piece of your mind. All the pieces you don't give it away, you ain't got nothing but a little piece left. He said, judgment is without mercy to, to the one who has shown no mercy. However, mercy triumphs over judgment. So when you and I show mercy to people, then when judgment time comes and we deserve, oh, because we're going to give an account of everything done in our body. The Bible said that that's the judgment seat of Christ. But what's going what's to help me is, well, yep, I probably didn't do everything right. But I did show mercy to people who didn't do me right. And that person who was at fault, I didn't just cut them off. I still showed them mercy. He said, well, you know, I'm going to show you the same mercy. I'm so grateful that mercy triumphed over judgment. Now listen, I'm done. The whole point of the cross is to demonstrate God's mercy 
over judgment. Today there may be somebody in this room today you felt like God simply couldn't take anybody like me. Things I've done, people don't even know the things I've done. That's what maybe how you feel in your heart. And God, I don't know how you could even let me come in a church. No way in the world you could use me. But he's saying, no, my son, my daughter. I sent my son, Jesus, to demonstrate my mercy towards you. I want to show you my goodness, my long-suffering, my patience, my kindness. You may be sick in your body and say, man, I did a lot of stuff, and you keep hearing in your mind, well, this is why I just got to suffer through this rest of my life because of some things I did. That's a lie. God is the healer. Sure, mercies of God belong to you. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you've gone through. God's mercy is here for every one of his people right now. Will you stand to your feet? If you're in this room today and you're not born again, I want to make sure first I give you the chance to get born again. I want to make sure I give you that chance to receive that mercy. The Bible says, yeah, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But there's also a mercy seat that we can pass through. And that mercy seat gives us grace and God's forgiveness. So we don't have to live the rest of our lives in condemnation. The Bible says if your hearts condemn you, then you have no confidence towards God. So you can't even ask God for anything. You can't, you can't get anything from God because you don't have any confidence. But I want to give you the chance today to get that confidence back. How do you get it? I come to his mercy seat. I say, Father, yeah, I'm a sinner. <laughs> have mercy on me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And if you're in this room today and you're not, you know you're not right with God, you're not following Jesus Christ as you're, you're supposed to be, and you want to get that straightened out today. I want to pray for you, wherever you are. If you're that person, I'm just asking you to just put your hand in the air. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for, for you. I want to pray for you. Wherever you are, I see hands already. Somebody else, you said, Pastor, I want to, I want to make sure I'm walking with God. I've done some things I'm not proud of, done some things. Maybe I didn't know I was doing some things wrong. But I don't want to live the whole, my whole life in condemnation, in that place where I can't really communicate with God. I want to walk with God. Whoever you are, I want to pray for you. Just raise your hand in the air. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Then secondly, I'm, I want to pray for those of you in this room Maybe you've been battling some long-term sickness, something in your body. The devil has convinced you that, well, this is because of this or that, and you just got to deal with it because, remember all the things you used to do when you were out there and doing this and doing that and so forth. God wants to heal you today. God wants to heal you. So wherever you are, I want you to put your hand in there as well. I want to put your hand in there. I see several hands. Several hands. There's nothing, there's no inf inflicted disease, condition, 
disorder that you have to walk around the rest of your life with because of some old life. I want you to today receive mercy over judgment. Yes. I want you to receive mercy over judgment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just, just play softly, guys. Where I can hear, just play something here softly. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I see several hands raised. Let me ask you very quickly, if you'll just come to this altar real quick, just real quick. This is going to take us three minutes. Three minutes. Those that had your hands raised for whatever reason, whether it's just because you wanted to walk with God or because you battled something that you, the devil's trying to tell you, you've got to deal with it. You don't have to deal with it. You don't have to deal with it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can you all agree with me today? Come on, can we go a little bit, just a few minutes longer, just so somebody can get their freedom today, get their, get their victory today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's a woman who was bowled over. The Bible says she couldn't raise herself up. Bound with a spirit of infirmity. And Jesus said, this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound all his years. He said Satan had bound her all his years. And Jesus wanted to heal her. And she was healed. And it doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter what caused it. It doesn't matter where it came from. No matter how long it's been, the devil's a liar. He has no right to continue to operate in your life. Everybody lift your voice in this room just begin to pray. If you're not one of those ones that need to pray right now, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to stir yourself up in faith and release your faith right now for those who are here. Those that are here. Hallelujah. And we're merciful people, not judgmental people. So we don't care what the issue is. We're not going to ask anybody, well, what's, what's your issue? What's your disease? What you got? And y'all, that's none of our business. It doesn't matter anyway. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to God. The same blood that was shed on Calvary's cross will heal anything. You name it, he'll heal it. Does you have any oil down there? Father, I pray for those in this room who are in a battle and today they've heard about your mercy. I pray that those who've been battling depression 
that they're released today. They're released today. Those who've been battling every oppressive thought of the enemy because of what he's been telling them they've been living in fear that God they're released today I command the release on their minds father your word says Jesus Christ was crowned with a crown of thorns those thorns crowned on his head represents Lord that deliverance in our minds and I command right now every mind be delivered in Jesus name every mind every heart be delivered right now that God those thoughts that have come to attack those minds they're delivered right now in Jesus name and I command them loosed and Father for those that are before us right now that have said there's some condition in their bodies that they're dealing with Father right now we take authority over every sickness your word says that Jesus Christ bore all of our pains of our punishment he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment for our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. So we declare right now that healing for every one of these bodies, that God from this day forward, they will not walk in that disease, that condition, we curse every symptom. We curse every viral thing. We curse every, 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 everything in the blood. We curse it now and command the healing power of the blood of Jesus on their lives. Jesus. Lift your hands right now. Lift your hands. I command you now in the name of Jesus, every condition that's plagued your body, you're forgiven, you're washed, you're made whole, you're delivered, you're redeemed. Now I command you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, be healed in Jesus' name. From the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I command this body from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, every bone, every muscle, every tissue, I command you to be healed in Jesus' name. You're forgiven, you're washed, you're delivered, you're redeemed, you're blood bought, you're brand new. Now I command you now be healed and the spirit of an infirmity, I command you go in the name of Jesus. Loose this body and I command you to walk whole, tall, strong, without pain. Muscles line up, bones line up, nerves line up, tissue line up, ligaments line up, joints line up. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I curse this attack on the head and the brain. I command right now this daughter to be healed. In the name of Jesus, you're forgiven, you're washed, you're sanctified, you're brand new. Satan has no right in this body, and I command this body healed.
in the name of Jesus. I lose the power of the Most High God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I command you now, in the name of Jesus, to receive healing. Washed, sanctified, forgiven, redeemed, blood bought. Now I command every disorder, every disease, every attack, even every symptom that attacks this body or this mind. Go! In the name of Jesus. And I command you to be healed, delivered, and set free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I declare you delivered, washed, redeemed, forgiven, brand new. Satan has no right to remain attached to this body. This body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So I command right now, even on the anointing that's on the inside of you, I draw on that anointing inside you. And I command you to be healed, blood clean, every organ right, every infection gone. I command you now be healed from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Power of the living God. Jesus name. 